Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Forti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed. So let's begin. Last week, I had a really insightful and and cool interview with Shay Strager. Um, Because I'm a fashion journalist and Shay has had 20 years of experience in the industry, it was a, a cool, fun, insightful interview. And it's short. But it gets to the meat and potatoes. I mean, it's short and sweet and it gets to the point. So if you're in fashion, I think you'll find this interview quite insightful. And um, a lot of it you'll already know. But, you know, when you're in the, the industry, you find these kinds of discussions just to be like, heartwarming and like yeah you know what's going on and because fashion like a lot of industries has taken a hit fashion will not be the same how it was before the pandemic um Shay gives her thoughts on the future of fashion and we're all kind of trying to find our way and navigate our way in this post-pandemic world but just a little background on Shay. She is a triple threat of styling, public relations, and branding for the fashion and jewelry industries with, as I said before, more than 20 years of experience. She multitasked her way through several firms before finding her perfect haven for her talents at Studio PR, a boutique luxury agency that she co-founded. But seven years ago, she launched her own fashion styling business under Shea Drager Style LLC. And I'll put a link um, so that you can check out her website. And she's quite intelligent, insightful. She knows her stuff. She knows jewelry. She knows fashion. She's married them both together in the late 90s in New York. So enjoy this interview. And if you're in the fashion industry, I think you'll you'll find it even more insightful. Okay, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's an honor to have you. Oh, it's so nice to be here. Thank you. So you were already talking a little bit about your background, but if you can just retrace your steps a little bit of how you got into fashion, you have been between the U.S., London, go into that a little bit. That's right. Yes. And when I came back from London, I finished my degree, which was a double major of uh, visual and spoken communications and English. Um, I really wanted to use that to be in television news. And I really thought that was my calling. And the two jobs I got out of college really didn't work out in TV news. And I moved to New York City, hoping to find a place where I could thrive there. And after a few temp jobs, I did get a position as the spokesperson for the fine jewelry industry. And that was a nonprofit arm of the jewelry industry. And that was in the late 90s. So that was in 97, 98. And there, if you remember during that time of fashion, there was no marriage between fashion and fine jewelry. There was a massive disconnect. It was minimalism. It was a silver hoop. It was a silver bangle. It was the um, Robert Lee Morris time 
Um, so like big silver and nothing else. And their mission for me as a young go-getter was to literally cold call. I had a list of CFDA designers and cold call them and say, I would like to offer you fine jewelry for your runway shows. I have everyone on my board of directors to offer from Cartier, Tiffany, Van Cleef and Arpels, Graff, Harry Winston. I will show up with the jewelry, with the guards. All you have to do is let us pair it with your fashions and bring that opulence and that marriage between fine jewelry and fashion to come back together again. And the first show that I ever styled with the CFDA was out of the 52 CFDA designers, 49 of them said yes to letting me use jewelry. It was the Millennium Fashion Show live in Times Square. Wow. It was at the NASDAQ building. Um, 52 fashion designers had one model or muse walked the runway for the millennium and came back and we changed them all at the NASDAQ building. But they, um, you know, we were able to, to use fine jewelry and fashion. And that was kind of the first show that I ever styled. And that's when I felt, I felt it running through my veins. I, I knew that I wanted to be involved in fashion somehow, some way. Yeah. But I came to fashion from the client side, from the jewelry side, wanting to make this marriage. And I think that it's important to note that that served me well my whole career until now, because now I went from doing celebrity and runway styling to now doing more, I've scaled back, I've left celebrity and runway behind, and now I work with more individuals, corporations, individual clients, and um, there's a reason for that. I, yeah, I could only imagine. How, how do you find the difference going from runway celebrity to the client side? Well, I guess the biggest uh, mutual goal, no matter what styling you're doing, mm -hmm. is that everyone has something to say. Yeah. It's what are you trying to say? And I think it's important to note, we were talking earlier about how couture is changing and how couture is going to look and feel, luxury couture is going to look and feel different. But when I did that first runway show or my first runway shows, for instance, in 2000, the front row was comprised of private clients. Mm. all individual now clients held, who held their run of show in their hands with their pen and as the looks would come down they would circle buying that one not buying that one check check at the end of the show they would give it to the sales rep who was the person they worked with within the organization and that is how couture was sold it was made for you based on how you saw it on the runway it was made in your size only for you there was no production for Neiman's or Saks and their fit model sizes, and then 120 of them made and dispersed to the independents around the world. That isn't how I experienced fashion in the beginning. And then I've seen it change so much over the last 20 years, but I hope and pray that we will go back to the way that you invest in a designer, that you love the way those clothes fit you, the way they make you feel, your devotion to that designer, to the brand, what it says about them and what it says about you. And that's how we'll move forward with made to measure couture fashion at, in the luxury realm. I, I totally agree with that. And I think probably a lot of creative or artistic directors are seeing that with this quarantine time where uh, Alessandro um, Michelle was saying, in a recorded, you know, that talk he gave that they're only going to do two shows a year, I think Gucci, and that he's trying to get away from the frills of fashion. Because now at Paris Fashion Week, it's overwhelmingly full of influencers. And then I look around me, 
you know, well, I mean, what's your talent? Like, I mean, you're not a buyer. I mean, okay, they give them a lot of free clothes to come to the show, but it's really just a show in itself. So I think- It's a publicity and marketing event. It is. And um, in order to get back and stay relevant, for luxury to stay relevant, they will probably have to move in that direction that you were just mentioning, getting back to how things were. Um, well, and let's, let's not forget the most important thing. You know, we all have a job to do. Yeah. And in order to stay in business, you have to make money. Yeah. You know, like, and as jobs have been cut and production has been cut and sales have dropped, we're going to have to figure out how to make money. Every single person within the fashion industry, just like every other industry around the world. Yeah. Do you see fashion spreading? I mean, it already has started this, but going into other kind of areas like homeware, like interior design, and because if people are going to be working from home more, then the the need to buy a couture gown is going to lessen, especially as there's restrictions on how many people can be in a room and how far apart you. So do you see fashion going into other branching into other directions like home interior or maybe something. Of course, about of it. course. I think those collaborations are going to continue between um, home interior design and fashion designers because of course of the design of the fabrications and textiles. I think that's always going to be very important. But to me, you know, how I live and work on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, right now my career is transitioned. I'm no longer styling clients for events and for red carpet or for you know public speaking events, I'm styling them for video communications. Oh. Um, I my lawyers have all come back. You know I had about 45 to 60 days of quiet, wow. real quiet yeah. during COVID, and it was a beautiful time. It was a time for me to take a break to think about what disappeared from my career and what I want back what is worthwhile for me, where I want to marry my, my compassion um, for helping others, my, my desire to have people look and feel their best, but then also taking away the parts of my job that I didn't really love, the running around, the pickups and returns and, mm. you know, all, all that, like, uh, I, I try not to say it out loud, but I will tell you, you know, like people are like, oh, stylist, stylist is so glamorous. And I'm like, stylist means schlepper sometimes. There's a very unglamorous side of styling that people don't see and touch and feel. But believe me, it's exhausting, like every other job out there. Um, you know, for me, I think personally, I'm working with clients now on styling them for their video communications. So that means from the waist up, we're <laughs> buying so many more blazers and tops and playing with necklines and asymmetrical cuts and what's flattering for your face shape and styling your surroundings. Like you're seeing this part of my office because that's what I want you to see. Yeah. Um, that's very unique that you're moving into that, that direction and you have to be flexible um, for the need of, of the situation going on around you and your clients of, of now it's a new realm and a new way of thinking for, if you would have said this to you six months ago that, oh, uh, Shay, can you uh, tell me what to wear for video conferencing? You might would have, I don't know what you would have said, like, okay, I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> it's not so relevant. 
Well, right. Well, I mean, I've had these presentations done in the past. I mean, I've written a couple corporate dress codes for very large companies um, and very large brands where we broke down literally the day-to-day -day wardrobe. So I'm used to dressing staffs and corporations for their visual image. But that visual image was from the head to toe. Yeah. And so it was almost taking what I've already done and cutting it in half, literally, <laughs> just the top half. <laughs> um, because the, the parameters have changed, but not the message. You know, our image says so much about ourselves. Like we, and, and how you think about your self-image is a topic completely that we could go into separately from this conversation. I don't wanna to go too far into it, but I think that what's important is that people tie truth um, and how they see themselves to their image. And, you know, for me, styling mostly corporate individuals or musicians or people that stand for their own brand, what we keep coming back to is, does my image stand up to my talent? Yeah. Does it match my expertise? Do you connect with me visually? Do we create a visual trust, you and I visually with each other? Yeah. Yeah, that, those are key points to keep in mind. My last question, because I know you have to run on, is what is your advice to young men and women who would like to get into fashion? Maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do. And that's the great thing about fashion is that there's a place for everybody, no matter what your skill is. So what advice would you have in this climate with fashion being a little precarious at the moment? Oh, Allie, you're so good. That's such a good question. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you that if you have no experience in fashion and if you're trying to get in, uh, you need to find your way in somehow, some way. Um, even if it's at the lowest level, you need to understand the industry and how it's working today. I don't know what levels exist at retail, but I do know that I kept my summer intern for this reason. I told her the scope of what you are going to be doing and what you are going to be doing is completely different. However, I am teaching you the fashion industry because I still work in it. I still thrive in it. I'm still making a living. I can still pay me and I can still pay you. But you know, you're going to learn a different way because this will be the way that you're going to have to navigate fashion moving forward. So I guess identifying what you want from fashion should be your first question you ask yourself. Um, you know, what's the goal? What, what do you want to do? Um, and figure out how to get there. You know, if it's just one plus one, one connection at a time, one day at a time, it never hurts, hurts to reach out and ask. Um, because all we can say is people within the industry who are busy and who are working, all we can say is no. But, you know, I never say no and just say no. I say, maybe I can't help you now, but stay in touch with me. Will you please contact me in three months or six months? Or I can't help you with that, but here's who I think might be able to help you with that. Um, we all had to come from a place where extended hands helped us get here. So we're not going to say no, flat yeah. out no. I hope, I, hope, <laughs> I hope people don't say flat out no. It's fashion. <laughs> That's right. It's just fashion. We're not saving lives here. This is just fashion. We can all say yes yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I found it's just persistence. It's hard to break in. But I think when you get in, you're kind of in. So mm -hmm. if you know how to maintain your relationships and network. So yeah, Allie, and you just said it, maintaining the relationship. Yeah. And that should be in every area of our life. You know, if you want to be happy and successful and fulfilled, I think that is your, that's your number one theme, maintain relationships. Yeah.
That's key. Well, Shay, thank you so very much for for making time. Um, it's been Happy a short interview, but I think it's been a good interview because it's getting right to the meat and potatoes. Um, yeah, so whoever listens to it, I hope it's a blessing for them. Me too. Thank you very much, Allie. Thanks for your time and your energy and um, for simply asking the questions. It's very nice to chat with you. I hope we can do it again. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at zaylamag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine, S-E-E-L-E Magazine. Till next time.